How's it? Welcome back to Average Sports Takes. I'm your co-host Sean Coffey and with me today, as always, are my boys Slick Rick, Patrick Holbrook. How's everybody doing? Hope y'all had a great week. Happy Friday. Got a lot of good, got a little good episode coming for you. And downtown, Ryan Blass. Hey everyone, hope you had a good week. Looking forward to Halloween weekend. Great weather here in Boise, Idaho. Excited for this episode. Oh yeah, we are excited about this episode and Halloween weekend. Let's get started with the biggest story in college football right now. Clemson's quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, has tested positive for COVID-19. Trevor was one of the most vocal leaders to try and bring back college football this season during the pandemic. And with this positive test, Lawrence will not play Saturday against Boston College. The conference has stated that any athlete that has tested positive for COVID-19 is required to stay away from team activities for at least 10 days. This puts the game versus number four Notre Dame in jeopardy for Trevor Lawrence. So, fellas, what does this mean for Clemson going forward? Do you think Boston College has a shot to win this weekend? No. No, Boston College does not have a shot. Sorry to those Boston College fans, but Clemson will be just fine. Brent Venables in that defense will, will be good. Um, I think Travis Etienne will definitely step up for him. Same with Amari Rogers in that receiving core. Um, but their backup quarterback's not bad, guys. 6'5", 245, DJ Ungomalele. Sorry if Pretty I butchered close. that name out there for you. Um, he was on that QB1 show on Netflix. Um, came out of St. John Bosco. Really throws the ball well. But the thing to come into question here is when did Trevor Lawrence's symptoms come into play? Do you have more thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, that's a tough thing because according to the rules, it's just when he felt symptoms. So he could have said Mondays when he felt symptoms. Got tested Tuesday, didn't get the results till Wednesday. So Thursday, he got those results. Thursday, Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. That's huge. So, I mean, you could say that he started feeling bad like on Tuesday. Comes back. The end of next week. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, they've never had a game. Lawrence has never missed a game. So they've never had a game without him. So we'll see how they react, including Dabo Sweeney. Like, he needs a leader out there. Can he rely on a true freshman? I don't know. I think he's got – I think ETN and, and – that defense will really definitely help Clemson out. So I don't think they're worried here, but I'm definitely super curious to see if Lawrence will play against Notre Dame and when he said those symptoms took into play. I got a question here for you guys. Let's say Clemson loses. I don't think they'll lose to Boston College, but let's say they lose to Notre Dame. Do you think Clemson falls out of that top four? Do you have someone else that is going to make the playoff? Yeah, you know, I think if they lose against Boston College, they for sure do. Even the next week, I think they fall fall to number five. Um, you know, maybe OK State moves into that moves into that fourth spot. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, Last and week. how do we deal with a team like Florida, who's one and zero in the SEC? Seems like they've even played. Obviously, they haven't. This is their first game in several weeks versus Missouri. Like, what if they handle them pretty well? They have to be in the discussion as well. Or what about like a one loss Miami? Yeah, you know, one took lo- a took a beating, but you know, still they they have they would have the same record as Clemson or a one loss Georgia are just a couple thoughts in my opinion. I think a one loss would be tough to get into because there's going to be teams that are six and zero, seven. True, then maybe an undefeated Cincinnati. Right, right. There's got to be a power or a non power five team in there this year. There has to be. True. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough for a, po- a non power five team to get in there just because they're going to look at who they play, and this year makes it even tougher because. You're in that America conference. Cincinnati is really the only one ranked in there. I know Memphis is not a bad team, but Cincinnati is the only top-ranked team. So do they get the benefit of the doubt, or how are they going to balance that? True. Agreed, agreed. Let's roll right into the next one. Wisconsin's football team has paused 
all team-related activities for at least seven days because of an increased number in COVID-19 cases, causing the game against Nebraska this weekend to be canceled and not rescheduled. Nebraska negotiated a filling game on Saturday versus Chattanooga, but it was quickly denied by the Big Ten due to their agreement of eliminating all non-conference games prior to the season beginning. So first off, should the Big Ten allow Nebraska to uh, play the game on Saturday? Yeah, I think they should. Uh, it's unfortunate that they're not letting them play. I think people want to see football right now. And when your team's not on the field, you're a little bit further behind. So that's how I feel about that situation. Um, yeah, I think they should have let <clears throat> Nebraska play uh, against Chattanooga. You know, you always want more games, especially if you're trying to make a run of the playoff. I don't necessarily think Nebraska will be in that conversation for the playoff. But, you know, I think it begs the question, you know, is the Big Ten in trouble now? Because, you know, if their outbreaks happen with other teams, then the Big Ten's, you know, going to probably say, I told you so, we shouldn't have played football. But it also begs the question, why didn't the Big Ten start earlier? They could have avoided this because they could have just rescheduled this game, um, just like, you know, the SEC or the Big 12 or ACC, you know, might be doing. But, you know, I think that's where the Big Ten messed up, but... Definitely interesting to see how Wisconsin will handle this moving forward. Yeah, you know, with Wisconsin, how do they how do do they make the playoffs? Do they do they they, you know, they play so. six games if they're six and zero? Oh, are they making it? And are they one of the top four? I don't think so. No, because if you just look at their body of work, they're only playing that conference schedule. So I don't I don't think they'd be in there because I. You're six and zero, but look at the team that's eleven and one, and maybe won their conference championship. That could be a Clemson, that could be a Miami, that could be an Oklahoma State. You know, it just begs the question. You know, looking at resume and you know different things like that. Well, I think I kind of disagree because if they win the Big Ten, like and go undefeated, why would they not be in the discussion for a playoff? You know, even if they do go eight and zero, let's say, or seven and zero. I, I think, don't think they're going to get that many games because the Big Ten only has an, uh, an eight-game season. Okay, so, so you, I mean, if they're missing this week, it'd be down to seven. You think they're going to miss more than this week? I think they might, yeah, because they said their quarterback's out 21 days for that isolation period, which I know I don't know if that was different from the NCAA or that's what Wisconsin's protocol was or the Big Ten. I don't know, but they said he would be at least 21 days gone. So The Big Ten championship is on December 19th, East versus West. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's going to be tough for them to make it. I, I just don't see them making it all the way. Um, it depends on what ha- you know what happens. So. Well, some of Nebraska's fans even want the game to be considered a forfeit for Wisconsin rather than penalize Nebraska. Do you agree? No, I disagree. If you look at the NFL, you also look at what happened in Florida. You know, Okay, no but Florida was able to reschedule their games. Uh, which I understand, but... I don't. You can't reschedule games in the Big Ten in the Big Ten because they chose to go so late. So you know, I feel like that's on the Big Ten officials. You know, what's the curious, most curious part to me is how come the ACC, the Big Twelve, and the SEC started early, but Big Ten and Pac twelve said no, we're not playing. How come they didn't have all the same body of officials that said, hey, it's okay, hey, it's okay? Because there's a few issues here in college football. First of all, there's no head commissioner to make decisions. Agreed. There is a playoff committee but is in shambles and gets 
like scrutiny every single year because they still only have four teams, which is ridiculous. It's 2020. Let's go. Let's spread it out a little bit. But anyways, there's no one person or four people making decisions here. It's all different conferences. And those conferences that you mentioned that are playing football right now or started earlier depend on football. Pac-12, Mountain West, yeah, football is huge, but like they kind of pride themselves on academics, you know, and conference sports. of champions, yeah, you know, yeah. Pac-12, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, football is huge, probably their biggest revenue, but they like swimming and diving. They yeah. like fencing, track and, field. track and field, all the important sports. So that's where it's kind of tough for college. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, let's roll right into the next one. So we're going to pick who our top quarterbacks in the draft are. We're going to tell you guys who we like and why we like them. So, Rick, let's start us off. Starting off, you got Trevor Lawrence, obviously a great quarterback out of Clemson. My number two guy, Justin Fields, I think that's going to be everybody's one, two. Those guys are really, you know, competing, great quarterbacks. Um, my number three, I'm going to go out to go Gators, baby. Get that chomp going. Kyle Trask, I really like him this year. Only three games, has over 1,000 yards passing, um, and has just been throwing the ball real well. I really like him and the production that he's made. My number four guy is Mac Jones, you know, guy out of Alabama. He's been in the system a couple years, and, you know, Alabama always produces NFL talent. So that's why I got him there, number four. Number five, a little bit of a surprise for some guys, but I got Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. You know, had that season, still a little raw, you know, didn't throw a pick, had a rough first game, but, you know, still pulled out the win there. But, you know, I think he'll be a great NFL talent there at the number five. And then if we did, like, a little honorable mention or my number six guy, I'd go Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. I said I'm not super big on him, you know, after watching a little bit of film and seeing what's going on. I like Zach Wilson there. But not for the Heisman. Ryan, who you got? Yeah, you know, at my one spot, I have Trevor Lawrence and then two, Justin Fields. And then three for me is probably, you know, you got to look at the body of work. Uh, Sam Ellinger at Texas had has plenty of work to show, and he threw the ball around last year, throwing the ball around again this year. I think, you know, having Great that experience. Leader. Yeah, he's a leader on that team. I think having that experience is going to attract because of the tip, stereotypical quarterback. And I think he kind of fits that mold. And then, you know, I've got Ian Brooks down at uh, Notre Dame. I think that he's going to get drafted. It just depends on where and when. I don't know if they'll be early draft picks. I think there's only one or two that are early. A lot of good athletes this year as quarterbacks. Rick, you bring up Kyle Trask. That's a, that's a good little pick. He's got 14 tutters and one pick this year with a 92.7 QBR. Doing it down there in the swamp. Yeah, and they got Missouri up next. And like you stated earlier, Sean, they're going to be well-rested. You know, they have that COVID outbreak, and hopefully all their athletes are healthy. Same goes to Trevor Lawrence. Hope everyone stays healthy out there. Um, but they're going to be well-rested against the Missouri team, and I'm looking for Kyle Trask to have another big game. He's had a couple big games already. As you can see, he has over 1,000 passing yards and 14 tutters, as oh, he yeah. like to say. Oh, yeah. Could be a little Joe Burrow story. For me, my top two guys are the same. I mean, everybody in the whole country could put them. If not switch, I mean, who knows? Justin Fields plays this next two weeks, and Trevor Lawrence sits. I might take Fields, you know? True. So um, those two are irreplaceable. Number three for me, though, it's going to be Trey Lance. But Really? I'm not going to draft him as my franchise quarterback. No. He's a, he's a good backup because if he's your franchise quarterback – he hasn't, he hasn't proven enough. Um, as you can see in recent drafts, one-year wonders at quarterback are not good in the NFL. Mitch Trubisky, um, Dwayne Haskins, and Average. Deshaun Kaiser. 
Even so worse. that list can go on and on. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. So I'd be careful with Trey Lance. Obviously, Carson Wentz was well coached. Um, he probably is too. That's why I'm saying a great backup. Maybe like a Teddy Bridgewater comparison there. We're going to roll right into the college football pick em. Ooh, Let's go. We got four games this weekend. We're going to start off with a non-Power 5 matchup. We got Memphis versus Cincinnati. Cincinnati is favored by seven. Yeah, you know, I think Cincinnati and that run, that run game they have on offense is going to be super critical uh, for them to, you know, just compete and get this W. Memphis is no joke. Their quarterback is strong. He's throwing the ball really well this year. You know, the record is tough. They're not ranked. Um, I still take Cincy in this one. I'm going to agree with you there, partner. I got Cincy as well. Um, even though Brady White can throw the ball well for Memphis, <clears throat> I like Cincy here. Dallas Ritter throwing the ball, but also running the ball, fellas. Had almost oh, 200 yards on the ground last week. Plus, their running back had over 150 yards. So the run game of Cincy, I think, will take over. And I like Cincy's defense here, you know, allowing, you know, only 15 points a game coming in. So I like Cincy here. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Cincy rolls 56-35. <clears throat> excuse me they got a great coach uh he's probably gonna be looking to maybe michigan state next year move there so a uh, little take for Curious. you there a little future take we're gonna do a little hometown bias pick them here boise state favored by 14 points at air force this weekend ryan who you got yeah i've got boise state here i know they struggle a little bit with that air force run uh, you got to be really keen on that triple option. I think it's going to be, a, you know, not a high-scoring game, 28-17. Uh, I think they got to protect on the offensive side. They need to protect Hank. Uh, I'd like to see them have no sacks this week. Hey, good call uh, there. You know, and on the defensive side of the ball, we just really got to focus on the run. Agreed with you there, Ryan. I'm going to take Boise State. That triple option is always tough to stop. Um, and a B- hey, curious matchup here, fellas. If BSU can beat Air Force, they'll be two and zero. And if BYU can beat Western Kentucky, they'll be, I think, 8-0. And they play each other next next Friday night here on the Blue. So definitely a curious matchup to see here. Uh, but I do have Boise State beating Air Force. Yeah, I mean, Air Force is on a bit of a shaky ground right now after opening up league play with a 17-6 loss to San Jose State. Really bad loss. Um, hopefully Boise State doesn't overlook them to the BYU game next week. That's my only thing. Boise State rolls them, 41-24. That's my prediction. Next game, Ohio State versus Penn State. Ohio State is favored by 12. It's in Pennsylvania, though. Rick, who are you thinking? I got Justin Fields and the Buckeyes here. Um, you know, as we all had Fields as our number two guy, you mentioned he could be the number one even if Lawrence is out, and I agree with your take there. Um, but I got Justin Fields here. Um, the Ohio State defense last week against Nebraska, I wouldn't necessarily say struggled, but you could definitely see them missing Chase Young, David Ar- Damian Arnett, and uh, Jeff Okuda. They all lost them in the first round of the draft last year, but I'm still super high on their defense. I like Sean Wade at the corner spot, and a little shout-out, you know, I went to school at Idaho State, so shout-out Tommy Togia, you know, came out of Highlands, so um, I like Ohio State's defense improving after they lost those first-round picks, so I got Ohio State here. Yeah, I've got Ohio State as well. I don't think it's going to be that close of a game. Uh, you know, Penn State suffered a pretty bad loss last week against Indiana, so that's, you know, maybe it's a bounce-back game for them. But both quarterbacks are very mobile, as well as they can throw the ball, so they're, you know, dual-threat quarterbacks going to be tough on those defenses. Like Rick said, uh, you know, they lost a lot of a lot of guys to the draft last year, but I still got Ohio State. Yeah, uh, Penn State's 0-2 for the first time in eight years. You know, we kind of forget about them, but they've been pretty consistently good the past 
10 years or so, you know, um, they came off a tough loss last week. It didn't right, end. right. So now they're zero and two. The uphill climb is only going to get steeper with this game. True. So Ohio State rolls them forty-five twenty. Last game here on the docket, we got Minnesota versus Maryland tonight. This is request of Andy Lawrence shout on out the Andy. Twitter. Big shout out to Andy. Thanks for sliding those DMs, bud. Oh yeah, Andy is a good friend of ours. He is a fellow college athlete as well in Minnesota. A, uh, you know, the, the big question that came from him tonight is can Minnesota bounce back against Maryland? Uh, Maryland has Tua's younger brother there. I uh, didn't play well against Northwestern. So, you know, I hope the Gophers do get a W tonight. That would be great to see. Um, yeah, Minnesota, where you have the game on behind us. But Minnesota's currently up 38-28. Didn't play well in the first half. But, you know, came back. Um, Ibrahim has four rushing touchdowns and over almost 200 yards rushing. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on tonight if you guys want to watch something. Um, but, yeah, I liked Minnesota in this game. Um, Tua's brother, you know, playing well, has 275 through the air. But has a pick, three touchdowns. So playing pretty well after a rough performance last week against Northwestern. They got absolutely throttled 45-3. Um, and he only had 95 yards passing and three interceptions. So, you know, bounce back pretty well. But, you know, they're down 10. It's still early fourth. So definitely something to keep an eye on for you guys out there. Yeah, look pretty shaky there in the beginning for Minnesota as they trailed 14-0 within a blink of the eye. It looked really, like yeah. I just turned my head and looked back. It was 14-0, 21-7. But you can see why Minnesota was favored by a whole 19 points this game. As they came rallying back all on the ground, too. Very impressive. Let's switch gears here real quick to the NFL headlines. Woo! The uh, the Bengals' queer sack leader is on the move. Veteran defense end Carlos Dunlap has been traded to the Seattle Seahawks for offensive lineman B.J. Finney and a seventh-round pick in 2021 NFL Draft. <laughs> the Seahawks' defense has been historically bad this season as they have allowed the most yards of any team throughout six games in NFL history. Fellas, is this move enough to help the Seahawks get to the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, yes. I don't think it is, to be honest with you. No, it I, is. I think that they need a leader, and, and people might disagree with me on that, but Dunlap is coming in. People are going to have to compete, so, you know, we want the best people in your locker room to compete. But I just, you know, I think they have some internal stuff they need to figure out first, a little bit of an accountability thing. Um, I still think that, you know, they're my playoff, they're my Super Bowl team, but I don't think he adds an extra element to that. Um, you know, I think he does. They have great leaders at the linebacker position. Um, and Bobby Wagner, you know, they have Jamal Adams in the secondary. So I think it does add that aspect. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the Super Bowl, but I like NFC Championship because I got the, you know, I got Tom, Tom Brady and the Bucks out of the NFC. Um, but I think it adds something here. And I really think um, it adds what they needed. They need someone to get after the quarterback, help out that secondary just a little bit. Um, especially after they let Clowney go to the Titans. Yeah, hey, Ryan, I'm going to switch back to you real quick. You said they need a leader. You think Russ is not enough? On the defensive side of the ball. How about Jamal Adams? Traded Bobby, Wagner. He's not there. They're not. I mean, yes, I understand the importance they have to the team, but it doesn't seem like from an outside you know, spectator watching the games that they have a lot of accountability. I understand Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are great, as well as Larry, but that defense did not look good there. They I mean, didn't hit him one time. They didn't hit Kyler Murray one single time in an overtime game that almost went to expiration. No, and Dunlap does help there. Okay. I just, 
I already had them in my Super Bowl, so I don't think it, I already was predicting them to go. I, it may... I think it does help them, though, just because he's motivated. He was on a losing team in Cincinnati, and now you come to the 6-1 and one Seahawks, I'd be fired up, ready yeah. to go. I'm ready to make a playoff run. I'm ready to get to the Super Bowl. So I'm definitely interesting to see how that's going to help them out a this year. A little spark in the back nine for Dunlap, perhaps. Tua starting versus the Rams. Tua Tagovailoa's first NFL start will come this Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams, a team that features the most dominant defensive player and possibly the best player in the league, Aaron Donald. And one of the top cornerbacks, Jalen Ramsey, let's be honest. Fellas, what can we expect out of Tua's first start? Yeah, Tua's going to need to be mobile. You got Aaron Donald coming at you, but he's also going to have to avoid Jalen Mills. That's going to be a tough, tough matchup for that young quarterback. Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, sorry. Um, it's going to be a tough matchup for him. He's going to really need to focus, and I also think they're going to be pretty run heavy. I don't see him scoring, you know, he goes 20 for 35, 250 yards, one touchdown, and a pick. That's my prediction. Uh, who do you think is going to win that game, Ryan? Dolphins or Rams? Oh, definitely the Rams. Definitely? Yeah. I agree with you there. Um, I think it's two is going to have a rough, not a rough first start, but I kind of agree with the stat line Ryan gave. Um, you're going against a kind of a better defense in the NFL. Aaron Donald. Um, they got Jalen Ramsey, arguably the best corner. Aaron Donald, you know, defensive player of the year candidate almost every year has won a couple of the awards. So I think it's going to be a tough first start for him. I don't necessarily like him starting. I, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, sitting there, if it isn't broke and you guys are winning, why fix it now? But I do understand he's your first round draft pick. And, you know, if you draft him in the first round, he's the future, you know, now would be the time. Yeah, I think too is just going to get a lot of completions early. They're going to get the ball out of his hand quick. Uh, he is a little shorter, so he needs to have some room in the pocket to throw the ball. That's a little different, but. You know, Coach Brian Flores did coach against this almost exact Rams offense a few years ago in the Super Bowl and shut them down. Woo! Yeah. For the Patriots. Got a ring for them. So, I mean, I think he's going to have the same exact defense set up and tell him, hey, this is what we're going to see out of this. Sean McVay is extremely smart. He great will know that going coordinator. into it. But it's going to be a great chess match. I mean, people are not talking about this game. This is incredible. I, so, we'll see how he does with Tua starting. Um, Rick, what are you thinking? I'm de I'm definitely definitely gonna have that game up on the TV this weekend. You know, Tua coming out of Alabama. You know, he, no one's seen him play in a while. You know, he had some garbage time snaps last week, but I'm really excited to see how he's gonna play this weekend in his first NFL action. Absolutely, absolutely, a lot of excitement around the Dolphins right now. NFL trade rumors are going to start heating up around the league heading into the November third trade deadline. Is it time to trade JJ Watt? If yes. so. Would you consider this a rebuild year for Houston? And if you are Houston, do you go after Dabo Sweeney? No, I don't necessarily say that you go after Dabo Sweeney. Um, he's got it good there at Clemson. Um, so I don't necessarily say that it's time to for him to come to uh, Houston. But I do like trading J.J. Watt. I like sending him to the Green Bay Packers. Um, you know, maybe for the second rounder, third rounder, you know, maybe feeling lucky a first rounder, but I feel like he adds an element to the Packers. Um, they need that pass rush element, especially with, um, Jair Alexander playing well on the second end. So I like him going to the Texans, but you know, we'll see, or I like him going to the Packers, excuse me, but we'll see how that happens. 
Yeah, I think if he's going to be traded, they're going to be getting, you know, a couple, maybe a first rounder, early second, you know, depending on how that team is providing. Um, I, you know, I thought the Colts would might be a contender there. Um, the 49ers, because they're not out of their division, they could still win that division. It's going to be tough. Uh, but, and then I also thought, you know, maybe, uh, uh, the Eagles get him. You know, that'd be cool to see him go there. You know, you I want... want every free agent, don't you? I do. Every good one I'd like, you know, free agent or a good trade to go our way. And I mean the Texans are one in six, so I feel like they need to make a move at the deadline. Um maybe turn the season around or try and get some draft picks because they don't have a first or second this year or next. So definitely something to look at. But I also think would like New England to make a move at the trade deadline. Um our starting receivers this weekend, Julian Edelman out, Nikhil Harry out. We have um, Jameer, Demir Bird, Jacoby Myers, and Gunnar Osheski. So nobody knows who those guys are. So I feel like New England <laughs> definitely needs to make a move at the trade deadline for a receiver or something, or they're definitely going to be in trouble. Yeah, I'm all in favor of trading J.J. Watt. He's been very good, but not great this year. He's 31, and Ryan, honestly, I kind of disagree. I think they'll maybe get a second rounder out of him. Um, yeah, he's the biggest name in franchise history. He built Houston to where they are now. But <clears throat> he's old. He's hurt. They have no cap space. They need money, and they have no draft picks. So they're going to free up some space uh, to sign somebody in the offseason, and then they're going to get like uh, probably a second rounder and a third rounder for him. So it's a big move that I could see them doing. Um, as far as Dabo Sweeney, Man, that's tough. I think Houston goes after him with full force. Why not? He's a great coach. It's Dabo Sweeney that I'm concerned about. He's the one that's probably not going to be into that relationship. Although he has a chance to coach Deshaun again. Like He has five-star recruits coming in like nothing. He doesn't have to pay them a single dime or worry about them wanting more money or trades. So I think he just sticks with Clemson. I mean, Nick Saban's obviously told him, hey, don't don't go to the NFL, man. Exactly, You're yeah. doing pretty good here in South Carolina, so just hang here. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's up to Dabo. No way he goes to Houston right now. Absolutely not. They are way more than one coach away from contending. Um, let's talk about the Ravens signing Dez. Dez Bryant like is back in the NFL's Baltimore Ravens signed the three-time Pro Bowl wide receiver to their practice squad. Bryant has been out of the league for two years now. And he, in a tweet uh, sent out on Tuesday, Bryant said that he, quote, could not stop crying, end quote. So, fellas, will Dez be a starter before the end of the season? And can he help Lamar finally get a playoff win? Yeah, I think Dez won't be a starter. I think it'll be like second string, maybe third string. Uh, he hasn't played in a really long time, so I think that's going against him. But, you know, he's excited to be out there. I still think he had some left in the tank. I don't know if the bright lights and, and the big star at Dallas was the right fit for him with Jerry Jones. So maybe, you know, Harbaugh at the, the helm, you know, helps him out there. Um, I agree with you there, Ryan. I don't think he'll be a, necessarily a starter. But when they get in those three, four, five wide receiver sets, you could definitely see him out there. So, you know, I think um, – It'll definitely be interesting to see what other teams think of him um, and how he plays for the Ravens. You know, say he has a couple games and goes off and the Ravens signed him such a, you know, practice squad contract that other teams could take notice of this. So I, I'm happy for him. Grateful he got this opportunity, you know, hasn't played since 2017. So excited for him and the Ravens. Yeah, that's really cool to hear that he tweeted that he could not stop crying. I just, I just think that's so good for a man to get back in the league. He's obviously hungry. And as far as receivers on the Baltimore Ravens depth charge, basically Willie Sneed, 
the rookie Devin uh, Duvernay. I don't know if you remember him in college. Out of he, Texas. Yeah, he was pretty good. Uh, Jaleel Scott. They got Chris Moore, obviously Marquise Brown, and Miles Boykin. So I can see them throwing him in at the starting lineup like week 14, 15, 16, maybe even getting that win there. Uh, yeah, the names you listed there besides Willie Sneed, a lot of young guys. So mm-hmm. he provides that veteran leadership and, you know, maybe surpasses those young guys. I definitely know. Curious to see. Uh, I'd sign him over AB. So that's all I'm saying. He's a way better locker room presence to teach those rookies how to be a baller in the NFL and not be Antonio Brown. Um, let's roll right into the NFL pick em. We'll start with the Steelers versus Ravens right now. Ravens are favored by three and a half. Ryan, who you got? Um, I'm taking the Ravens in this one. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson's ability to move around in the pocket. I know the Steelers have a good defense, um, and they're you know containing the quarterback. I just think Lamar has some that attribute that is just hard to pin down. So um, I'm taking the Ravens in this one. I think Big Ben needs to be a little smarter with the football this week. Uh, he's got a big arm. So I'm assuming it's going to be cold there, so he's going to have to slice through some uh, thick weather. I disagree with you there, partner. I got the Steelers. Um, they proved that they could stop the run. So I think last week, you know, allowing Derrick Henry 75 rush yards, yes, that is the running back. Lamar provides a, you know, different element. But I think they stopped the run. Um, Big Ben in that offense, you know, has been rolling this season with Juju, whether it be Juju, uh, Deontay Thompson, Chase Claypool. Um, so I got, I got the Steelers in this one. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game for them. Uh you know, I'm honestly going to go with the Steelers, though. Let's go uh, 28-27 Steelers. Got to go with the road team. Uh, they The Ravens are favored by three and a half. But, uh, but the, the Steelers are still going to have to compete, and they can still come back. I mean, with this rivalry being under or over a field goal, that's just too easy to take. I would bet Steelers all day, and I think they're actually going to win the game. So unless Lamar Jackson is Lamarvelous, uh, they're going to be all right. And honestly, I predict him having under 70 uh, rushing yards. So oh, wow. Last time they played him, five sacks, three picks. Let's just remember that. Uh, next game, 49ers versus Seahawks. Seahawks are favored by three points. I got the Seahawks in this one. I think Russell Wilson's going to bounce back. Um, the Niners really got to get that running game going, I feel like, to get their play action working and different things like that, and they've had a lot of injuries to the running back position with Moster out, Coleman out, and now Jeff Wilson with the high ankle sprain. So it'll be curious to see how McCasley and uh, McKinnon can run this week. I got McKinnon starting in my fantasy lineup, but I think the Hawks got this one, especially with Dunlap. If he can play this week, um, I got the Seahawks in this one. Yeah, I've got the Seahawks as well. I think Jimmy G didn't play so well against that uh, New England defense, so uh, the run game is pretty heavy for them there. Um, I'm still taking the Seahawks. Russ is going to have a bounce back week. No three interceptions this week. Five tutties is what I think. Yeah, Seahawks are just so clutch at home. And how can you ever bet against Russ? I mean, he's turning into such an incredible talent. Like, he is a must-watch every single Sunday, no matter what defense. I mean, I don't care if he's playing out there with the JV squad of Centennial High School. Like, he puts up a show, and he can win you the ball game. As you can see, Seahawks are horrible on defense, and they're still winning games. We'll see how they hold up against the Niners who can throw up points against anyone with any running back, it seems. Let's go to our last game here. Saints versus Bears. Saints, favored by four. Rick, who you got? I got the Saints here. Um, I like how Drew Brees is playing. 
even though not necessarily like, but he's doing all right without Michael Thomas, who will not be playing this weekend. I don't necessarily like how the Bears are offensively. Nick Foles, um, last game, they didn't put up points very well. Um, that's basically the only reason I'm taking the Saints here, just because the Bears' offense isn't that good. Great defensively, but don't like the Bears' offense. Ryan? Yeah, Nick Foles, you know, he does really great things at times. Uh, him not being very mobile is definitely costing him. I feel like a lot of the quarterbacks in the NFL can move a little bit. He's kind of a statue in there in the pocket. Um, doesn't have a lot of speed. So, you know, I, I'm i going to take the Saints. I think without Michael Thomas, it'll hurt him, but I'm still taking the Saints in this one. Yeah, this is a tough pick. Um, Saints are still without Emmanuel Sanders, who's on the COVID list. And um, obviously Michael Thomas and Marquise Callaway. So, yeah, they can put up points, but with Breeze's weak arm this year, first game outdoors, probably going to be 25-mile-an-hour winds, 30 degrees. True. It's going to be a tough one. Bears probably will bounce back, and I say Bears 2017 final score. Easy cover. Let's switch it up to the MLB World Series review, boys. Um, Let's just talk about the whole World Series. I mean, congratulations to the Dodgers, first off. I mean – Tough year to win it. They finally broke through and won the World Series. So kudos to them. I mean, city of champions. Holy crap. The Lakers, Dodgers. Seems like LA is the place to be right now. Um, let's talk about that move that Kevin Cash made in the sixth inning. <clears throat> Kevin Cash pulled out Blake Snell after throwing 63 pitches and giving up two hits. Oh, uh, how do you guys feel about that, Ryan? Yeah, that's tough. I don't like that call. I mean, I know there's analytics and whatever behind the scenes. I just do not agree with pulling them there. Coaches have done this for so long. Tony La Russa, who just got hired. Uh, Bruce Bochy, who I watched my dad periodically yell at the TV because they're pulling a pitcher too early. I left them in too long. But, you know, I, I it, it just sucks to see the guy that you're paying all that money be taken out. You know, he's just a young winner. You want to go with your, your guy. Yeah, I agree with you there, Ryan. Um, wasn't it also the only sec the second hit he let up in the game? Yeah, correct. So I mean, only allowing two hits, and then your coach pull or your manager pulls you. I don't necessarily agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a tough call because you can see both sides of it. Uh, the analytical side does favor pulling Blake Snell right there. His third time through the order, uh, the stats show that he is almost 200 points worse against batters. Meaning, when the first two times through the order, batters are batting 140 against Blake Snell. The third time through, they're up to 330. I mean, that's a 290-point difference. That is massive in baseball. Everything points to pulling him. But he never took into effect the human element. He didn't look at how his ball was coming out of his hand or the adrenaline pumping through his veins. I mean, it is a playoff game. These guys are humans. They're going to be pumped just like us watching it. So he didn't even take that into account, I don't think, as much as he should have at least. And, I mean, there is an argument where he threw about six six miles an hour slower the last four batters. He was about 97 all game until the last four batters. He was about 91, missing the changeup in, which is bad for lefties on righties. Um, so you could say maybe the Kevin Cash noticed that and pulled him for that, but the manager has came out and said that was our plan third time through. Uh, I mean, you can't be pitching much better than he was. So, I mean, there's no excuse for pulling him. Probably one of the worst blunders in world series history, as far as a manager, let's roll right into the Justin Turner debacle. Ryan, I know you got some words about this one. 
Yeah, I, I get it. You just want it's exciting. You don't want to be by yourself. Um, it, you got to wear the mask. I know that it only work. It's only so, so effective, but I just it sucks that you know he's out there running around, especially because his team teammates could get sick, other people could get sick. But I get where he's coming from. He's excited, you know. No, I agree. Um, he tested positive. What was it? The eighth inning, Sean, is when the COVID people told him. Well, yeah, they tested before the game, but they didn't get the results until about the sixth inning, and then they didn't pull him until the eighth inning. Yeah, so you know, definitely. It's just, you want a World Series, you know, it's once-in-a-lifetime kind of moment, and, you know, you want to be out there celebrating, you know, it's tough to, you know, just sit in a room by yourself and go, woo, I won the World Series, but, you know, so I see where he's coming from, um, and I kind of agree with his decision, you know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime decision, but, you know, definitely a lot to take in there. God, it's a lot to think about, boys. This is a pandemic going on, but at the same time, you, I mean, they're in a bubble. Everybody on that team has it by now. So, I mean, yeah, of course, he, he's got to go out with a mask on, and he's got to be super safe. But, like, in his mind, he's got to be in that picture, man. He's got to be in that World Series picture. So, yeah, that's that's just tough. I don't know what I would have done. I'm so happy that I was not in his position. So, that's a tough debate that we could go on and on about. But let's talk about the Dodgers. Let's talk about them becoming a dynasty. The Dodgers are already a dynasty in the NL West, as it seems the Giants, D-backs, Rockies, and Padres enjoy playing for second place because this team has won the division eight years in a row. Finally, this season, they were able to pop the World Series cherry. Uh, Mookie Betts is there for another 11 years, and they're bringing a fresh David Price to uh, an already unreal rotation. So... Can they continue the domination and turn this thing into a World Series championship dynasty? You got to look at who you're paying. I mean, that's the biggest issue. They already are a dynasty in that NL division. Um, winning it eight times in a row makes you a dynasty. Now the World Series rings is another thing, but I think it's going to be tough. You have to worry about that luxury tax down there in LA. It's expensive. Um, and then you're also looking at, you know, who you, you got to pay Bellinger next. I mean, you just paid Mookie Betts quite a bit of money. So, you know, where does that bankroll come in involved? Well, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Justin Turner also free agent after that game. So, I mean, that must have played into his mind. But as far as the dynasty goes, they're just they're just dominating that um, division. So, yeah, their dynasty. I think they win three. Uh, during Mookie Betts' tenure there. So four for him total, one in Boston, three in L.A. before he's done. Uh, the Dodgers have notable free agents that they need to sign. Justin Turner, Jock Peterson, Kike Hernandez, Alex Wood, Blake Trinan, Pedro Baez, and Jake McGee are all part of the first wave. So right now they do not have them on their team, and they've got to sign some names to be back in it because the Padres are legit, and I can't wait to watch them next year. All right, let's just get into our favorite part of the podcast, our average take for the weekend. Rick, you sound awfully excited. Let's get to you first. I'm ashamed to admit it because we've been so successful for so long, but New England is a must-win against the Bills this weekend. If we don't win, um, Bills are going to be up three games on us, and you know I feel like that's the end of the season. We cannot turn around after that. Cam needs to play well. If he doesn't play well, you know, we might look at trading him at the deadline. I'd be, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that. You know, Jared Stidham, not bad as a backup, and we thought that was the future for a little bit until we signed Cam. So average take of the week is New England doesn't win this weekend. Season is over. Wow. Wow, that's a big, that's a big take. Uh, mine is 
you know, coming into the Sunday night game, being an Eagles fan, but also looking on the Dallas side of the ball, you know, if Jim Schwartz cannot stop a fourth stringer in Dallas, I, as a, a Philly fan, but also someone that in, watches sports, you're going to be on the hot seat if you aren't already on the hot seat. Now, on the other side of the half, you know, you're looking at Mike McCarthy. Are you looking that he's taking the play calling away from Kellen Moore? You know, I don't want to see that as a Boise State fan because I enjoy Ooh, watching him call plays. Boise. But uh, you're looking at some firings coming up. So I think if uh, my take is Cowboys, if the Cowboys don't perform at all, Kellen Moore's done calling plays. And then on the Eagles side, if they lose, uh, Jim Schwartz on the hot seat and potentially fired this season. A couple wow. of good, good takes. takes. Those are not average takes, fellas. Maybe we should change our name. Anyways, my, my average take for the weekend is the Las Vegas Raiders beating the Cleveland Browns. Ooh, I'm not Derek impressed. Carr, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm not impressed at all at the Cleveland's defense. They're giving up 31.6 points per game. And they have also had a very weak schedule uh, this season. Their opponent's record combining to 20 and 3. And two of those teams are combined to make 11 and 2. So. Final score this weekend, Raiders 38, Browns 33. Final th- final thoughts, fellas? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to win the, my fantasy matchup this weekend. I got my co-host, Sean, and I think I'm just I'm just going to beat him. So hopefully that happens. Hopefully you all have a good weekend. Um, hopefully your college and NFL teams win. But uh, Ryan, la- final thoughts? Yeah, when I, you know, I always talk about smoking me to my trigger this weekend, not doing that. The wife is going to be baking one of my favorite cakes. A little brownie cake. It's amazing. Um, so, what's your favorite Halloween snack to have? Mine was always having donuts when I was younger. So. Hey, there we go. Uh, yeah. nice. Final thoughts for me this week are going to be my favorite bets. I like the Detroit Lions covering the spread versus the Indianapolis Colts, who are given three points. I also like the Packers to cover versus the Vikings. And I would feel bad if I didn't mention this, but... The New York Jets, sorry, Jackson Mets, are the, on, the only the seventh NFL team since 1970 to be 20-point underdogs in an NFL game. Although it is an NFL team and they are professional athletes, the Jets look like a JV squad. So oh. definitely hammer the Chiefs on this one. Thanks again for listening to us, everybody. We got a huge, huge, huge episode on Tuesday. Big our guest. first interview coming up. Can't Big wait guest. for you guys to hear it. Might be our best episode ever. Who knows? We definitely don't. So uh, check in with us again on Tuesday. Peace out.